This is Update One, the podcast of the National Press Club in Washington, D.C. Update One provides a forum for listeners to learn about national and international stories, focusing on journalism and communication issues, news and politics. Now, the latest edition of Update One. I'm Tom Young at the National Press Club in Washington. The year 2020 was not a good one for press freedom. The New York-based Committee to Protect Journalists has released statistics on reporters jailed around the world and on journalists killed in the line of their work. Joining me on the line is CPJ's Advocacy Director, Dr. Courtney Raj. Dr. Raj is also a member of the Press Freedom Committee here at the National Press Club in Washington. Thanks for joining us, Dr. Raj. Thanks. It's my pleasure. First of all, let's talk about the study on journalist deaths. What does the report say about why and how journalists are losing their lives? Unfortunately, we saw an uptick in the killing of journalists after a historic low. We saw the number of journalists murdered more than double. At least 30 journalists were killed in 2020. 21 of those were murdered. Now, We saw murders and killings in at least 14 countries, with Afghanistan, Mexico, and Philippines being at the top of that list. But, you know, it's also important that we think not only are these journalists killed and murdered, but the fact is, is that in the vast majority of these cases, it's likely that no one is ever going to be held accountable, because we know, based on our reporting and our annual impunity index, that eight in 10 killers of journalists go free. So it's a very challenging environment for journalists to work in, and it's unfortunately another deadly year for them. I believe you mentioned uh, Afghanistan, Mexico, and the Philippines as some of the most dangerous places for journalists. Uh, Afghanistan, uh, I suppose, is not hard to guess given the recent history there, but uh, uh, what about Mexico and the Philippines? What's, What's going on in, well, all three of those countries that make them so dangerous for reporters? Well, Mexico and Philippines stand out because they are democratic nations, but they are also violent. And so we've seen journalists targeted for murder, even despite the fact that these democratic countries have specific mechanisms in place for the protection of reporters. In Mexico, there were two journalist murders who were actually enrolled in the federal mechanism for the protection of human rights defenders and journalists. So clearly, it's weak. And although President uh, Obrador has pledged to end violence against journalists, the special federal prosecutor was weakened during his term in office. And in the Philippines, which is home to one of the biggest massacres of journalists ever in the Maguindanao massacre, and only just this year did we see anyone really brought to justice um, in that, that case, we saw three murders this year despite the efforts of the Presidential Task Force for Media Security. And that's a country where we've seen a lot of attacks on the press and on journalists individually by President Duterte. Afghanistan is a little bit different because, of course, um, it is more of a conflict zone and it's long been a dangerous place for the press. In in fact, in, in, um, in April 2018, we documented one of the deadliest days ever for journalists, which when, when there were 10 journalists killed that day. So, you know, these countries, they, they vary a little bit. But, you know, Mexico and the Philippines, it's really shocking that we continue to see journalists murdered there on a regular basis and with such impunity. 
in the countries where this is happening, what kind of efforts are going on to try to put a stop to it? Well, uh, not enough, that's for sure. I mean, the fact that Mexico and the Philippines have federal mechanisms for the protection of the press, and yet journalists who are under protections have been murdered anyways, clearly shows that they are not uh, they are not effective, they're not funded properly, uh, and more needs to be done. I think one of the biggest issues here is that in so few cases are the murderers of journalists ever held accountable. And this means that, you know, rarely are the murders properly investigated, leading to any sort of convictions. And even when there are in those rare cases convictions, it's almost never the mastermind. It's maybe the person who, you know, pulled the trigger. Furthermore, the continued impunity for the murder of Jamal Khashoggi by Saudi Arabia, it's, and the fact that we saw Iran uh, execute a journalist, which amounts to state murder of a journalist, um, both, both those journalists were actually living abroad in exile. Um, they were lured to their country to those countries um, by you know by their countries and then and then executed and assassinated I mean that is a chilling signal to send to reporters everywhere and I think that we really need to figure out what is the international community going to do to hold those countries accountable because that is a, a pretty new dynamic that we're seeing CPJ also did a study on reporters jailed for doing their jobs. Uh, what did you find there? Unfortunately, this is the worst year on record since we started keeping records, um, you know, decades ago for reporters being jailed in retaliation for their work. There were 274 journalists, at least 274 journalists who were imprisoned. It was the fifth consecutive year with at least 250 journalists jailed in retaliation for their work. Five years of record highs. And yet again, the top three jailers are China, Turkey, and Egypt. Now, we are coming up on the 10-year anniversary of the Arab Spring in Egypt. Before 2011, Egypt rarely imprisoned journalists. Maybe they had a journalist or two in prison. Now they are topping the list. This year they have 27 journalists in prison. They love to use false news charges to, to imprison journalists. What is the international community doing about this? I mean, how is, especially Turkey and China, uh, uh, sorry, Turkey and Egypt, how are Turkey and Egypt allowed to just, you know, get off scot-free when they're putting journalists behind bars like this? Um, what we're seeing is that this uptick reflects this, you know, sweeping crackdowns as governments have restricted media covering civil unrest and covering the pandemic and the government responses to the pandemic. Now, you mentioned that they're jailing reporters sometimes on a, a charge of, quote unquote, false news. But when governments do this, how do they justify it? Are they calling it a security issue? We see a couple of different ways that governments are justifying their crackdown on the press. So anti-state charges such as terrorism or support for terrorist groups are the most common charge that journalists are jailed on, accounting for about three quarters of those in jail. But false news charges, uh, we saw a 10% increase over last year. Uh, and false news charges usually have to do with accusations of 
spreading false or inaccurate information. Um, this is increasingly having to do with COVID-19 or, or, you know, issues related to the pandemic, which has given a cover for many of these governments to adopt more restrictive legislation or to justify existing false news um, legislation. And we see that the, you know, the intersection of kind of the use of false news charges and the increasing popularity of the fake news rhetoric have kind of gone hand in hand with a rise in the number of journalists being imprisoned on these false news charges. A lot of them are also, you know, being jailed in retaliation for their expression online and for their online communication. Well, speaking of the uh, fake news rhetoric that you mentioned, CPJ has said authoritarian governments have uh, often found cover in that kind of rhetoric coming from the United States. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. We've seen, unfortunately, that the fake news rhetoric has echoed around the world and been adopted by leaders as diverse as Vladimir Putin in Russia, President Bolsonaro in Brazil, Egypt's President Sisi, and everyone in between. The fake news rhetoric is used to delegitimize journalists, especially those who would report on government efforts to, say, combat the coronavirus that are less than successful or who are reporting on the spread of a coronavirus around, say, Iran or China, where journalists who have been reporting on the spread have been imprisoned or gone missing or jailed. So, you know, the fake news, false news dynamic is intersecting now with the coronavirus pandemic. And the UN identified the pandemic also as an infodemic. So, you know, we have to agree because now we're seeing journalists jailed at record numbers you see this increasing use of false news. So after you know, nearly four years of anti-press rhetoric about fake news, there's now a public health crisis where reliable, accurate information is very important and provides the perfect cover for more restrictions on independent reporting. Now that the U.S. has a new administration, do you believe Washington can now take a stronger role in protecting press freedom around the world? I think it's possible, but I think there's a lot of work to do. First of all, you know, Biden served under President Obama and the Obama administration had a checkered record on press freedom. However, it did stand up normatively on the international stage and in the international arena for the values of journalism and press freedom. So at least, you know, I think that we'll see some of that. But we know from what happened after 9-11 and the long tail of the war on terror and what that did to journalists around the world in terms of providing cover and legitimization for crackdowns by governments who have increasingly equated journalism with terrorism, that it takes a long time to undo um, the impact of, of rhetoric and legislation on the press. So I think that we're going to see it takes a lot of effort to undo a lot of the negative impacts of the false news trend over the past few years. You have legislation that has been put in place that's not just going to get undone. We've seen surveillance regimes rolled out with all sorts of, you know, high-tech ways to track people and their contacts. And we know from the surveillance that was put in place under the Bush administration and revealed under the Obama administration by Snowden that these surveillance 
mechanisms created for one purpose can easily be repurposed and without proper safeguards used and weaponized um, to target others, including journalists. So there's a lot of work to be done. We've heard President Biden say that he wants to restore U.S. leadership in the international arena. Doing so on press freedom is critical because disinformation is part of that equation and is relevant to national security, to the global health pandemic, um, and to so many other issues. So we hope that he sees the value of supporting press freedom and journalism as fundamental to pursuing his other goals. Well, thanks again for your time, Courtney. We've been talking with the Advocacy Director for the Committee to Protect Journalists, Dr. Courtney Ratch. I'm Tom Young, reporting for Update One from the National Press Club in Washington. Update One is a production of the National Press Club's Broadcast Podcast Committee. You can comment on this podcast or any episode of Update One by sending an email to Update One Podcast. That's update the number one podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to Update One.